Thank you so much for joining us today on YouTube. If you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button down below so you can stay up to date with all that Church on the Hill has going on. If you haven't already, also follow us on social media, either Instagram or Facebook, both Church on the Hill and our senior pastor, Pastor Adam McCain. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the message. Come on now. And so our key scripture for this whole series, in case you're just joining in with us, is found in Mark chapter 10 and verse 27. But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Everybody say, all things are possible. Say it again with me. All things are possible. Say it one more time till you believe it. All things are possible. Online, say it real loud. Say, all things are possible. There you go. And Jesus is reminding us that we may be limited, but the God we serve is not limited. And it may be, with men, it may be impossible to have a multiracial church right now. But with God, all things are possible. With men, it may be impossible for Democrats and Republicans to worship together. But with God, all things are possible. With men, it may be impossible to divide on who should wear a mask, who shouldn't wear a mask, and still be Christians and love each other. But with God, all things are possible. We are living in possible times amidst the impossible situations. Are you there? Say yes. And so with that being said today, I want to jump in today's session. We titled it Revelation Through the Word. Everybody say Revelation Through the Word. One more time. Revelation Through the Word. Now, the Lord speaks to us in many formats. We talked about how he speaks to us in dreams. I believe he needs to speak to most of us in dreams because we won't shut up long enough to hear any other kind of way. So he knocks us out, and in the night he comes to us. And, uh, but he speaks to us in many ways. He'll speak to us uh, through the Holy Spirit who lives and abides in us, the third person in the Trinity, uh, part of the Godhead. He'll speak to us. The Bible says it's the Holy Spirit's job to lead us and to guide us into all truth. He'll speak to us through leadership. Uh, he'll speak to us through uh, those that we've uh, submitted to as uh, spiritual leadership in our life, Christian leadership. Uh, in fact, the Bible's real clear about that in Hebrews 13, 17. It says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work may, will be with joy, will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage for you. Each and every one of us that come to church on the hill and call this their church, I'm your pastor. I, I take that responsibility very, very personally. I recognize that I'm going to give an account for that. So you have spiritual oversight. You have spiritual authority. It's always fun to me when someone's been coming to the church a little bit, and I go to try to bring a little correction, like, hey, I think you shouldn't do that. And they get all flustered, and I recognize, oh, wait a minute, I'm not your pastor. We need to find you a pastor. We need to get you to a church that somebody can actually help you a little bit, someone you trust. And so it's really fun to have that experience every now and then with people who just like to come and, and you know, and like, well, this is a great church, great. Hey, can I help you with that? Oh, no, I don't want to be taught about that. Well, see, I'm, I'm not your pastor. There's this divine thing that happens when we come into mission one to another. In fact, my pastor, Rick Bezet, uh, you know, here's the cool thing about how this, this piece works, how God uses authority in your life and spiritual leadership in your life. Uh, a couple years back, I was overtaken by a frustration. I couldn't take it. I was frustrated with the church. I didn't want to do it anymore. And uh, I called my pastor. I said, hey, I need to talk to you. And I only talked to my pastor about once, maybe twice a year. And, um, and not because, you know, because he didn't want to talk to me, just because I don't need a whole lot. And I'm that, I'm that kid. You know, you, if all your children, you got the one that's like, you don't, they don't need a whole lot. And then you got the one that's like, you need everything. Like, I'm the kid's like, I don't need a whole lot. And so as a result of that, I probably need to do better being relational. And so, and so I contacted him. I said, I just, I need you right now. And he says, well, actually, I'm bringing our staff to Dallas uh, to go see a Rangers baseball game, kind of a, a, we're doing a little retreat time, and we're going to go 
go see a game? Won't you meet me up at the game? I said, great. And so I met him up at the game, and uh, we're sitting. He said, well, come here. Let's, let's talk. What's going on? And so we go, and, and we're sitting on the concrete. The Rangers are playing. We're in the stadium, and we're sitting on the concrete next to the concession stand on the floor. Two grown men sitting on the concrete floor, and, uh, and he's half paying attention and that kind of thing. And I'm thinking, what? And I'm pouring out my heart, and this ain't going right, and this ain't going right, Pastor. And I don't know what I should do. And he looks at me, he says, you don't need wisdom, you need courage. Wow. I said, wisdom, you need courage. Like, you don't even know me, I don't even talk to you. Like, you don't even, like, you don't know what I'm going through. You half listen, you're watching the baseball game. We sitting right here with mustard on the ground. That little kid just flipped a booger over there, and I'm just, I'm just right here in the middle of nothing. What are you doing? And I went home, and that thing just kept working on me. I don't need wisdom. I need courage. And I said, Lord, you know what? I'm going to surrender to that because he's a spiritual leader in my life. I've submitted to him, even if he's not perfect, even if he doesn't do it all right. I submitted to that, and let me tell you something. I woke up the next day, and I went, let's go, and it all turned around. I needed courage to attack a situation. I didn't need wisdom on how to do it. And the man of God in my life that I surrendered to, he actually had the word, even though he wasn't in the best position, even though he wasn't half listening, even though he, uh, he I know he loves me, and even though he's a, he's a human and makes mistakes too, in that God kissed it and blessed it simply because that engaged me. And that's something that's powerful. But there's another way that the Lord speaks to us, and this is the way that I enjoy one of the most, and that is through his word. Revelations he gives us through his word, that you'll just have aha moments. And I want to dive into this today on how the Lord really wants to use scripture and his holy word to really transform our lives. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Turn there with me in your Bibles. Turn them on. Open up your Bible app. Let's go. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. If you forgot your Bible, you don't have it on your phone, we have it on the screen for you. Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The Word of God is alive. The Lord may have had people pen it thousands of years ago. Thousands of years ago, the Lord spoke it. Write this down because I'm going to give it to my people. But the Bible says it's active and living. It's alive right now. His word is so supernatural that that same word can, can minister to a man who's living in an era where he does not have running water, does not have electricity, somewhere in the 1300s. And that same word can then minister hundreds of years later to an executive who works for Tesla. I mean, he has an activity in his word to transform us. It is not limited to time or space or scenario. That word is alive for you. When you start reading, it rip open all the things of your life and begins to reveal truth, begins to minister to you. It's active and it's a now time. In fact, one commentator said it like this, the same word that saves the faithful destroys the disobedient. That's what it's talking about, what it's dividing. What it's doing is that word, when it speaks, you either say, yes, I submit to it, I surrender to it, that's God. It saves my life. Or you say, I refuse that and I'm going to go another direction. And on that day, when everyone's given account for their life, the Bible says that they will stand before him and they'll give an account. And he'll say, my word said, but my word said. Well, I didn't read your word, but my word was there. My word said. And to the faithful, we'll say, you said that in your word. That's why I didn't. He goes, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's my baby boy right there. That's good stuff. So I want to teach you a little bit today the way he uses the Bible to speak to us. And by the end of today's session, each and every one of us will begin to be so stirred 
that the God of miracles will speak to us every time we open his holy scriptures. You're going to walk out of this place today. You're gonna, you're gonna, uh, when you tune off today on our online church, when you get out of this session with me today, you're going to be like, every time I open this Bible, I know he's going to reveal truth to me. I know he's going to speak to me because I'm going to help you get it and help you see it. So here's a couple ways that he uses the Bible to speak to us. Number one, he reveals a character flaw when we read his holy scriptures. He'll reveal a character flaw. I was, years ago, I was reading that passage in the book of Matthew, chapter 16. And Jesus is sitting down with his disciples, and he tells them, he says, Now listen, guys, the Jewish leaders are going to kill me. First, they're gonna, I'm going to suffer much from their hand, and then they're going to kill me. And the Bible says after he finishes that, Peter pulls him aside and says, No, sir, no, you will not do that. That will not happen. It will not happen. You're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And Jesus looks at him and says, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm reading that passage. I'm like, Jesus, you're so mean. Like, you just call. I mean, that's like, can you imagine your kid says something stupid? And he said, listen here, devil, you demon force. How dare you speak that in our house? I mean, that's what Jesus does to him. He's get behind me, Satan. And all of a sudden, as, he, as I'm reading this, and I'm like, Jesus, how are you so mean? All of a sudden, it hit me. I'm like Peter. I'm always running my mouth. I'm always going, well, actually, Jesus, don't worry about that because this is going to be this and this and this and this and this. And in the midst of reading this passage, the Spirit of the Lord revealed to me a character flaw in myself, always running my mouth, never listening. So I went on a journey, and I started finding scriptures like, ooh, what wisdom for a man to keep his mouth shut. And the, the scripture says, and let us listen and not speak so much. And I started, I'm an outgoing, I'm an extrovert. So, man, if it's quiet in the room, I start talking just because I can't stand it to be quiet. I'll talk about nothing. I'll talk about nothing. I don't care about it. And you start trying to tell me a story, I, I get so excited about it, I start telling you a story about me. And my wife's like, I don't want to hear about you right now. I'm trying to tell you about me. And I recognize just by reading the word, he revealed to me a character flaw in me. Oh, I'll tell you what. The Bible says that the word is literally like a mirror. That we look into, and so as we get to reading it, and we start getting into his holy word. Why? Because it's active. It's alive. It's for us. It's not for thousands of years ago. It's for right now. It's for you. It's for your situation. It's for who you are. And it begins to reveal to you. When you start reading the word, you start going, I'm not like that. Oh, I want to be like that. You know what my prayer is every day? Not that I'm perfect. That I just become like Jesus. Paul said, somehow obtaining to his likeness. I know I'm going I'm, I'm to make mistakes. I know I'm, not, I know I'm a human. I know I'm not perfect. I, I don't pretend to be something I'm not. Oh, but my prayer is, Lord, I just want to be like you. I don't, wanna be, I don't need to be the smartest. I don't need to be the brightest. I don't need to be the tallest and the best looking, although those things could happen in heaven. That's what I'm believing for. The transfer. But, but I just want to be like you, Jesus. When you read the word, it will begin to reveal those character flaws. And can I help you with something? We all got them. We all got them. He said, I don't have any. Ask your spouse. So I'm single. Well, that's your problem. No one there to tell. No, I'm just I'm, I'm picking on my single people. Y'all love me. You know I love you. That's why most of you won't connect with a small group because you don't want to be around nobody who's going to say, well, actually, that's true. The Bible is true. He's talking about you. <laughs> ah, let's move on because I done went from preaching to meddling. All right, number two. Here's the second thing that the Word of God does. Is it, is, it begins to draw your attention to certain scripture references. When the Word of God is in you, what will happen is God does this miraculous thing to reveal himself through scripture. There have been times in my life where all of a sudden I just had a scripture reference come to my mind. 
I didn't even know what the scriptures, I didn't know what the verse was. I just had the scripture reference come to my mind. In fact, Pastor Jonathan and I were talking about this last night as we were preparing the message all week. And last night we were back into this thing, digging it out, just like, how do we help paint the picture? And he goes, you know, Pastor Adam, when it comes to this point, he said, this is the reason I'm saved today. This is the reason I'm in ministry. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I was in a backslidden state. I was my freshman year in college. He said, and I'm dropping out of college because I won't go to class. I hate it. hate everything about it. He said, and all of a sudden, he said, all of a sudden, I hear in my mind's eye, I hear God speak to me. He said, as much as God's ever spoken to me, he said, I heard Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6. He said, Isaiah 6? What is that? So he said, I went and I got my Bible and I opened it up and I found Isaiah 6. And in Isaiah 6, it says, and who will go for us? And who shall we send? And the prophet Isaiah said, I will go. And the Lord said, yes, send this one. And in that moment, this young man, our pastor, of our Mansfield campus said in that moment he heard God so clearly I'm trying to send you to a great calling but you're running away from it and he said he got down on his knees and he said Lord I repent I want to serve you with all of my heart and I'll do whatever you want me to do and the Lord called him to quit that school go to Bible school and he came and he, he, he's a pastor on our staff today because of Isaiah 6 didn't know what it said didn't know what it meant didn't know anything about it but the Lord just spoke it to him he will reveal himself through his holy word he'll give you he will give you these moments where all of a sudden you just, this scripture reference, like, I don't, Psalms 91, I don't know. I, I, I still understand. The other day it happened to me. I was just, I, Psalms 113, Psalms 113. From the rising sun to the setting sun. I was like, we're singing that verse all the time on Sundays. Yes! And the Lord was speaking to me through. He just gave me that. I was like, I don't remember that song was from Psalms 113. I don't have every scripture memorized and where it's found. Just half of them. But no, I really, I really, I, I I'm the worst at that, by the way. Here's the third thing that, that happens through the word as you and I really start getting into it. He uses the Bible to speak to us in the third way, and that is he'll answer your immediate situation. He'll give you an answer to an immediate situation that you're in. This happens to me all the time, uh, all the time. I was, uh, we were in a moment in Church on the Hill. We had, we, I'll just back up a little bit. We were in a moment at Church on the Hill where uh, we had been meeting in homes, and then we expanded, and, and we started meeting you know, in the community center, and then they kicked us out, and then we ended up at the Methodist church on Sunday nights. We were having services at Sunday nights in the Methodist church. I can't even get you guys to come past, thir- you know, 11 o'clock a.m., much less, can you imagine, 6 p.m. service? Nobody was coming. It was terrible. And, uh, and I was so mad at God. I was mad at my life. I was like, I laid down doing missions work around the world, training Bible school students, all this, because you wanted me to plant a church, and this is what we get. Nobody's getting saved. No lives are being changed. You know, the, the group that was there, we were happy. We loved each other, but I felt that clickish thing start happening when no one knew it's being transformed and everybody just gets comfortable. Oh, I can't stand that. Oh, oh my goodness. And I started feeling I'm mad at God. Like we're going to be that dead little clicky church and I'm not going to, I'm not passing that mess. I'll tell you that right now. Mad at God. And I just couldn't believe it. And that particular week I started reading, you know, the, the, the passage in the book of Judges about Gideon. And, uh, and I was reading that passage, man, and, and, and all of a sudden it says in Gideon, he said Gideon uh, raised up an army of 32,000, and, uh, and, and God came to him and said, it's too many, it's too many. Stand in front of all of these people, and anyone who doesn't want to go to battle, tell them go home, they don't have to. And 20,000 left. So you went from 32,000 warriors to 10,000 in one mo- moment. And then the scripture says... And God said, because I do not want Israel to take credit for what I'm about to do. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Adam, you're not fighting the devil. You're not fighting yourself. I am holding back against you. 
Because what I'm about to do, no one's going to take credit for it. You, all y'all going to say, God did that. God did that. We are sitting in the God did that place right here in this Cedar Hill campus. We get a phone call after, I'm telling you, oh, the hearts will tell you about it. There's, there's some of our lead team. We, I took them to every little beat up nasty building. They're like, mm, pastor, we'll go with you there if you want to. And we couldn't find a place to meet. We, three years. And God just said, I, what I'm going to do. No one's going to get credit for it. It's going to be me, supernatural. Everybody's going to know that I did it for Church on the Hill. It ain't, it ain't Adam McCain being a good pastor. It ain't how good the leaders are, how much, you know, how much they love God. No, no, it's going to be me. I'm going to do something supernatural. He took it right out of that passage in the book of Judges and just spoke it to me. And I want you to know within a matter of weeks of him sharing that passage with me, the people who had this building called us and said, hey, we're merging with another church. Do you want the building? I was like, yes. I didn't pray about it. Someone asked me, did you pray about it? I was like, I had been praying about it for years. I'm not going to pray about it again. I've been praying. And when the answer comes, excuse me, I want to pray about it. Look, bro, you've been single for so long. If one girl halfway gives you attention, say, yes, don't go. Let me pray about it. What's wrong with you? You've been crying out, oh, God, send me somebody. Well, she's standing there. Don't, anyway, I, I went to getting in trouble. It's happened to me recently. When all of this stuff started really happening with the pandemic and then we saw such just tragedy with police officers killing innocent people and, and, and response to that and all that. And here I am, I'm pastoring a multiracial church and I'm listening, you got to understand how difficult my position is. Somebody's mad at somebody in this church right now, every day. Somebody's posting something, I'm like, Jesus, are you serious? Every day, right on this side. And it's like, good people who love God and love each other. And I mean, I'm in that, all that. And I'm thinking, what do we do? Do we burn down the government? I'm in a turmoil. Do we, do we pray it through? I mean, what? I'm all frustrated. And the Lord brought me to Psalms 2. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain, a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in peace and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. I started reading that, and the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He said, Adam, listen, let me tell you something. I got it all under control, son. Don't worry about it. He said, why are the nations raging and plotting against? Because I recognize we're not wrestling against each other. We're wrestling against principalities and powers trying to bring destruction. And I'm trying to get Christians to recognize, don't fight against your brother. Fight against the spirit that's behind this whole thing. Bind that up. Pray together. Be kind with one another. And I am keep trying to put out these little fires, and I was losing my mind. And the Lord brought me to this. He said, listen, let the nations rage, because I sit on my throne in all all authority and all power. And if you'll read all the way to the end of that passage, he says, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. He, when his wrath is kindled, but a little blessed are those who put their trust in him. And I just heard him say, just put your trust back in me, son. Don't worry about all this. Just keep winning souls, making disciples like I told you to do. And I'm telling you, I've been at peace. I've been so excited these last few months. And other people are like, what's going to happen? Who's going to be Who's going to be the next president? I was like, listen, Jesus is my king. I don't care about all that. And what are we going to do? What are we going to say? Ah! He sits on his throne and laughs. Why do the nations rage? Why do they plant, plot destruction against the people of God? That's what this passage is teaching us. And Jesus says very clearly, I'm in control. Don't worry about it, guys. Be at peace. Keep your trust in me. Put me a put me a peace. What? Immediately he spoke to me through his word into my situation that was full of turmoil and frustration. He will speak to you through his word. He will reveal himself and reveal the right way. It is miraculous how he will do it. I've been with people who have just got the bad news 
that their children have been in a car accident. I, one, of, one, of, one of my dearest friends, Dr. Uh, Dennis Lindsay, he was overseas when he got the phone call that his daughter had been hit by a car, 18-year-old senior, hit by a car, and the car threw her, speeding down Keith Boulevard right there in Oak Cliff, hit her, threw her 100 feet, landed on her head, and she had been dead for the last five minutes, and they were laying hands on her trying to bring her back to life, and she had no pulse. She's gone, dead, out of the body, gone. He gets the phone call. He's in another country. He and his wife get the call, and they're like, what are we going to do? His wife begins calling around to see if they can get an air, uh, a flight, emergency flight out of that country back. They can't get anything till the next morning. So he goes to bed, lays down in his bed and says, Jesus, I put this in your hands. I trust in you. Can I tell you something? That girl came back to life in the ambulance supernaturally. Missy Lindsay is her name. She's a phenomenal woman of God. I want you to know, who do you put your trust in? The Bible has to be inside you. That word has to be active and living. It's not just a set of rules. It's not, it's not just some kind of little ancient manuscript that maybe you can learn some good philosophy. It is the life source for the believer. He will reveal to you. He will strengthen you. He will cover you. He will help you by his own word. This is the truth that we got to get to. Here's a fourth little piece I would teach you that the word does, and that is, is it, he'll give you, he'll give us a word for someone else. Have you ever been reading the word and go, wow, and have this person come to mind like, this is for them. This is for them. When you send that forward to them, I'm always texting folks in the church. I mean, I was just reading today, and the Lord just spoke this to me. I texted a businessman the other day. I texted him, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and verse 26. says, to the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to someone who pleases God. This, too, is meaningless and a chasing after the wind. I had that word for him. I just said, listen, the wicked, they're going to do all of this laboring, all of this conniving, all this manipulating, manip manipulating to try to advance their businesses. But the Bible says they do all that and store all that up to just hand it over to those who please God. Don't, and I was encouraging you, this word very clearly, as a business person, don't get caught up in all that. Don't get caught, just do God's will in the midst of your business, and God will kiss it and bless it. He wrote back, that's what I needed, Pastor. Thank you so much. I was like, yeah, that's right, I'm a man of God. I didn't do that. I was just reading the Bible. I was just reading the Word. He gives me revelation for somebody else. He will do that for you. Yeah. My mom had a list of scriptures that she prayed over me every morning before I went to school. List of scriptures. She'd be reading the Bible, and God would say, that's for your son. She'd write it down. She spoke those scriptures into my life. I am a minister today because my mama spoke those scriptures into my life every day. Every day. And she would correct me based on that. She'd correct me. See, that was stupid. But let me tell you what the Bible says, son. Bible says he's called you and appointed you and anointed you. Why are you going against the call of God on your life when you're messing around with that girl right there? She's an idiot. Don't, put you, don't, don't mess with her. Okay. Why? That word of God. The word of God that she was speaking over me was taking life inside of me. He'll give you a word. You should be quoting scripture over your children. You should be speaking that over them. You should be reading the word to get revelation on what your life is supposed to be doing right now, how you're supposed to be handling yourself, about the character changes that need to be happening. Listen, I appreciate all the self-help books, but man, you've gotten so caught up in that that you don't have revelation from him. Listen, I appreciate all the translators. Listen, I am not, all I'm supposed to do is to equip you but I am not supposed, I'm not your God, I'm not your priest, I am not, according to scripture, the apostles, prophets, teachers, all, the, all those fivefold ministers are to equip you so you can do ministry for others. 
God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, sent you one and only one to go through. His name is Jesus. He is your advocate. He is the one we go to. He's the one we call on. You don't call on the pastor. You don't call on the priest. You call on the one high priest. That His name is Jesus. He will reveal truth to you. When you get into his word, it starts becoming alive in you. And all of a sudden, you're starting to have a revelation. You're coming to me, Pastor, God is saying this. And I'm like, what? That's amazing. And then you hear me use it in the sermon. You're like, I told him that. I told him that right there. That's right. Why? Because we are a unit. We're a body. Every part. I may be the quarterback, but you're the best wide receiver there ever was. You're the best blocking back there. You are a, you are a running back. Dear Jesus, help the Cowboys. All right, let's move to... And here's the fifth thing. <laughs> here's the fifth thing that the Word will do, and that is it'll be, begin to bring slight changes to your nature. Slight changes to your nature. Uh, we, we were having a birthday party for my 12-year-old who's now 13 going on 22. And so she had some of her friends over, and uh, one of them, uh, one of the young ladies, their daddy is one of the leaders in our church, and he walked in the house, and he's just funny as all get out. He walked in the house, he said, I wish you'd stop. I'm like, what? He said, I just wish you'd stop. He said, how much weight had you lost? He said, I was sitting there. We couldn't come to services. We were online watching him sitting there. And I realized Pastor Adam's getting skinny. And I looked down at myself. I looked over at my wife and I said, he's making my life miserable right now. <laughs> he said, what happened? And I didn't even realize. See, what happened was a few weeks ago, my wife and I decided we just wanted to be a little healthier. And so we sat down with a nutritionist and, and they just helped us change the way we eat. I never ate real bad. I mean, Everything fried is good, right? I mean, we're Cajun, so, I mean, we'll eat it, <laughs> but we're going to deep fry it. I mean, I'll eat anything. I mean, but it's got to be deep fried, you know, and so, and, you know, chocolate is from heaven, and so, you know, and late at night, ice cream is glorious, <laughs> creates the God dream times, and so, you know, I just didn't understand what the problem was, and so all we did was we sat down with this nutritionist, and she just helped us pick out good meals that we could eat. Didn't make a major shift, didn't start putting any chemicals, didn't go have any major surgery. And, uh, and, and, and we thought, you know, because in the past, you know, I've never, never really done any dieting. My whole life I was so skinny, I always prayed for weight. And then when I was overweight, I didn't realize I was overweight because I finally had some weight. And so, and so it was half an ounce every two days, a pound a week. Just wasn't, We were just trying to change our diet just to be a little healthy. And within a matter of time, a little bit at a time, it wasn't drastic. It wasn't this, wow. It was just a little bit at a time. And I didn't even realize, as he spoke to me Friday, he goes, wow, you've lost a good bit of weight. How much have you lost? And I'm like, well, I have. I've lost about 20 pounds. He's like, oh, 20 pounds. I was like, yeah, just, I guess it has been a little bit at a time. See, when you get into the Word, it'll begin to literally change you and your nature a little bit at a time. People start saying, man, you're not as mean as when I used to know you. And you're like, what? And you know, like, 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 in the past I would ask you this and, and you'd get all mad about it. But, oh, that was a little different. And you start noticing, man. And, and it may not happen right away. See, see, we live in this now generation and we like everything microwave. We want it now. Now. Like, we are mad that there are now three lines at Chick-fil-A. Like, you got to be kidding me. Like, like I, I'm, I'm waiting, I really, I am expecting Chick-fil-A to open up an overpass on the interstate. You know, they just drop it in your sunroof if you, as you're doing 80 miles an hour. 
You know, I, 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 there's God. I mean, because it's not fast enough. It's not fast enough. And, that's, and we want that with the word. Well, literally, what the word does is it's more like a, you know, it's more like grandma used to cook. You know, where you just bake it all day long. Are you men who know how to do a brisket well? And it's all night long. And next day you tell the kids, Daddy suffered for this right here, let me tell you. And the kids go, ooh, that's the greatest brisket ever. That's right, hours and hours. And that's what you got to understand about the Word of God. As you begin to just get into it, you may not, you may not see change right away. You, he may, he, he, it, but your nature is going to start changing a little bit at a time. Slight differences of change. And all of a sudden you look up and you go, wow, I'm so much different than I used to be. So here's a couple of things I want you to put into practice. You ready? Write these down with me, okay? Uh, we're, first and foremost, I'm expecting from this point forward for God to use his word to transform your life. Okay? That's my expectation. That needs to be your expectation. I want you to join in with me. I want you to make a paradigm shift, a perspective shift. When I read the word, he's going to reveal truth to me. He's going to speak to me. It's active. It's now what I'm looking for. I need God right now. And here's the first, and for, first thing I want you to do is I want you to make the investment in the word of God. I want you to make the investment in the word of God. Can I just say this as a Christian? If you're bad at anything, surely you should not be bad at knowing the Bible. Okay? Uh, you want to be good at the Bible, not so that you can be a good Christian, but so that you can know its language, the language of God. The language of God. See, it's not about good and bad and how many scriptures can you get through. You want to hear his voice through his word. It's his word. So how is he speaking to you and you're not getting it? There's a language barrier. John, come up here real quick. Everybody give a hand for my friend John. John Costa. John, now, let me tell you, what are you studying right now? You're in college. Exactly. And what do you want to do with that when you're finished? Exactly. Exactly. See, yes, yes, absolutely. I think you did good. The rest of you do not know his language like I do. So, so John, obviously messing with you, John is uh, from Brazil. And uh, he was speaking to you in his native tongue, which is Portuguese. Right? How many of you guys understood Portuguese as he was speaking? Nobody in the room. Yeah, a little bit of Spanish combo there. I am tracking with you. Okay, so, so Portuguese is your native language. Yes, sir. When did you learn English? Uh, I learned English. I took some classes when I was young. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah, you go. I took some classes when I was young, and it was two hours a day after class every single day, and you could only speak English. At the class, you could only yes. speak English. So if you want to talk to your friends, if you want to make a little joke, you'd have to whip up some so, English. So and, how old were you when you started studying English? Uh, clueless. No, how word. old were you? When oh, you how old was I? Yeah. I was 13. 13. Yeah. Yeah. So, so 10 years or so studying English. How many years till you came to the United States to go to school? I came here when I was 18. 18. So yes, five sir. years of studying English, and then you came to go to school here where we did not teach you in Portuguese. No, you didn't. We taught you in English. And sometimes the very thick southern accent that I had to pick up real quick. <laughs> <laughs> you going to come over here, y'all? You going to get you some. Oh, man, it took me a while. Yeah, I bet it did. <laughs> they still don't know what my English is. <laughs> so, so, so John came here, 
to better educate himself in our country with English as a second language, having only studied it two hours a day, not every day. You had classes probably two, three times a week, right, I'm assuming. It was actually five times a week. Five times a week. Two hours a day. Every day, I mean, every every week since you were 13. That's right. And you got here, and how much, how proficient would you think you were? Um, 30%, 50%? I would say something around 60. 60%. Yeah. So every day, two hours a day, stay with me, for five years to be 60% of being able to understand what we're trying to say to him. Are you tracking with me? Okay. You don't ever read the Bible until you stand here on Sundays with me. And you don't, I don't hear God's voice. I bet you don't. He's speaking like crazy. Give him a little more Portuguese. I don't. So That's what he sounds like to you. Like, I know God's saying something to somebody. Everybody else is like, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And you're like, I ain't hearing nothing he's saying. I don't understand a word he's saying. I read this. It don't make a lick of sense to me. Right, because you don't know the language yet. And the only way to know the language is keep studying. Give it up for John. I love you. Thank you, boss. You're the best. You're the best. Love you. So make the investment two hours a day. Can I tell you something? Also know this. In his country, he had to pay for that. That was not free to learn English. In fact, his parents, his family had to make a major investment so that he could learn that, so that he could then come to our country, so that he could get educated in a way. And his goal is to go back to his country, and we're believing he'll be the next president of Brazil in Jesus' name. He's going to start in law and things like that, but he's going to change the world over there for Jesus because it's time for a great breakout there. I want to challenge you, make the investment in the Word of God. Make the investment. Read the Bible. Meditate on the Bible. Sing the Bible. Pray the Bible. Memorize the Bible. Get the Word of God. Say, I don't really get it. Keep saying it. Till you get it. Until, keep conjugating until it, until, you, until it clicks. Keep saying it wrong until you go, oh, I didn't realize I was saying it wrong. Can I tell you how many verses I misquoted early on in my Christian walk? Do you want to know? I'll praise the Lord. The Bible says, somebody finally is like, hey, that's, that's not what that means right there. Oh, okay. I was learning it, though. I was learning his language. I was learning his nature. That's why you look at some of us that have, that have been in Christendom for a longer time. You go, man, you're just, you're, I'm just not like you. I can never be like you. You've got to understand we have been investing in learning his language and knowing his ways. And that is transforming us. It's not that we're holier than everyone else. It's just that that word's been working on us a little bit longer. We've been understanding and ga- gaining understanding. He wants to bring you revelation through his word. Here's the second thing I would ask you to do. Are you still with me? Say yes. Start looking for his voice in the word start looking for it so Lord I'm going to go through this I want you to speak to me I want you to speak I'm looking for it oh there he is right there oh that, that's it right there I don't understand all of it but that right there is for me that's right there is for me the reason why I want to teach you to do that is because m- many times we have this religious duty we think well, I just need to read, to be, read the Bible to be a good Christian this ain't about being a good Christian. It's about becoming like Jesus. This is about you understanding him and becoming best friends with him and walking in his favor, his power, and his glory. Can you imagine if, he, if John begins to tell me, if, I'm get, if he's riding in the car with me and I need to know which way to go, and he begins to tell me in, in Portuguese, take a left turn. I'm not taking a left turn because I don't know what he just said. And so God's trying to tell you, take a left turn, and you don't know he's telling you, take a left turn. He's trying to tell you, hey, talk to that person right there. You don't hear his voice in that. Not that you don't hear the, you don't hear the audio. It's that you don't understand the language. So you're not hearing it. So when the Bible says you don't hear my voice, he's not talking about you don't hear the audio. He's talking about you don't understand what you're hearing, and so therefore you can't act on it. That's why we got to get revelation through his word. And the first, and first, first step, get in it, then start looking for it. Lord, speak to me. 
your voice to me right now. And here's the last thing I would ask you to do, and that is speak the word. Speak the word. My mama spoke the word over me every day. Speak the word. I speak the word over my own children. Speak the word. Speak the word in the car. Speak the word at work. Speak the word. People, listen, people come up with crazy ideas, and what you need is to actually say, actually, the Bible says this. Somebody was trying to tell me something the other day. They were so racist, so prejudiced. I said, uh-uh-uh-uh. No, actually, the Bible says. The Bible says that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek nor Gentile. Jesus sees uh, we are all his sons and daughters no matter what our skin tone is. So you better get that straight. I was able to speak the word. This person wasn't a Christian, but the moment I spoke the word, they went. I wasn't going to let that junk get in my head. No, no, what the Bible says is. And that's how Jesus defeated Satan, right, in the wilderness. Satan began to twist the word, and Jesus said, actually, the Bible says, actually, his word says this. Actually, had Jesus not known the word, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, because Jesus is the word. He was like, "Uh uh-uh. No, that's a slight twist, a manipulation of who God is and God's intent. That's why you have to, that's why you got to be, you and I have to be a studier of the whole word, because if you take, like I say this all the time, I I was telling about uh, Pastor Tony the other day, if I, if I take a video of him, the one moment he's whooping his kids, and I put that all out there, everyone's going to say, man, that Tony is a mean dude. Golly, he whoops on his kids. And I never show you footage of him holding them in his arms. And pulling the hair back of his daughter around her ear and say, it's going to be okay, and wiping the tears from her eyes. If I never show you that, if I only show you this one moment. So if you just get into that one piece is where God has to be faithful, where God has to be the judge, where he's literally whipping humanity. And you go, he's just a mean old God. And you don't ever see the rest of all his nature. That's why the word of God is active and alive. His full nature is being revealed. And you don't just stop at one aspect of his nature. If I just took one aspect of your nature, or if I caught you on a day, imagine if I caught you on a day where you were having to bring correction at your job or fuss at somebody for something they didn't do right. And I snapped, snapped that little image of you, that little quick video piece, and put it out there. This is who you are. You're like, that's not who I am. God is constantly misrepresented because people don't know the fullness of his nature because they don't know the wholeness of his word. I want you to first and foremost, I want you to make a decision today. I want you to commit to make an investment in the Word of God. I want you to learn the language. The next thing I want you to do is I want you to start looking for His voice in the middle of this holy word. For you, active right now, Lord, for me. I open the Bible saying, God, speak to me now. Speak to me. And I'll read until He speaks to me. I'll go until he, till he, till he talks to me. And it, it's not always for my immediate situation. Sometimes it's to give somebody something else. You look, it ain't about you right now. Go share this with so and so. Oh, okay. But speak to me. I want the God of miracles to be active in my life, and I want to be active in his life. And the last thing, again, I want you to do is I want you to start speaking the word. Start speaking it. Speak it to yourself. Speak it to your children. Speak it to your scenarios. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. It's how you defeat the plans of the enemy is by using the word, the word of God. Hey, guys, wasn't that a great word today? You know, I'm so thankful that the word isn't limited to a Sunday morning at a certain time or the four walls of the church building, but it can go through whatever time you may be watching this, wherever venue you might be at. The word of God can minister to you no matter where you are. You know, if you're interested in partnering with what Church on the Hill is doing, not only locally, but globally, you say, I really want to invest with that, with Church on the Hill in advancing kingdom business. And you can do so by partnering with us by sending a donation to PO Box 3815, Cedar Hill, Texas, 75106. Hey guys, we love you. We look forward to seeing you again.